Welcome to the Modern CPA Success Show, where we're 100% focused on helping accounting firms achieve success. If you're an accounting firm owner who wants to learn how to grow your firm by providing virtual CFO services, then this podcast is for you. Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. Uh, Both Adam and I are very excited about today's guest, uh, Bill Sherman from Thought Leadership Leverage, and he's here to talk to us about his his company and what they do and how they can help your business out. So, Bill, I'd love for uh, you to talk a little bit about your company, and then we'll um, take it from there. Hey, Jamie and Adam. It's good to be here. So, I'm in the world of thought leadership, and you might say, well, what is that? Is that a fancy name for content marketing? Is it something (laughs) you pat your back on and you feel proud? And no, thought leadership is about taking ideas to scale so that you can produce impact, whether that's filling your sales pipeline, sustaining conversations with people, or influencing how people think and act. And it's a function that organizations use, really big organizations, mid-sized organizations, even small firms, but it's a really powerful tool in the toolbox. I've been in this field for about 20 years as a practitioner. And in that time, I've worked with independent practitioners of thought leadership on the business side. So business school professors, speakers, um, consultants who are doing some really fascinating work, as well as large organizations who are looking and saying, how do we take our ideas from within the organization out to the world to produce impact and results. Great. Wow. That's a great intro. Yeah. Would you say that uh, your thought leadership and thought leadership? Very meta. Yeah, but yes. Yeah. So okay. it's one broken. where I'm fascinated by thought leadership. How do ideas reach scale? And I've had to do this for clients again and again. And over time, you start realizing there are patterns, whether it's an individual trying to get a message out there or an organization. Yeah. Right. So, so how do companies, um, what, I know a lot of people hear thought leadership and they think it's a, a lot of work to get from where they're at to become a thought leader in any area. Can you explain a little bit kind of the, the, the plan to get there and what steps it takes to really become a thought leader in any area? So the first place that I would start is you need to know who you're going to talk to, right? Because I've seen people make the mistake of, well, I'm going to post on LinkedIn or I'm going to create this podcast. And well, it could be for anyone. And all of a sudden you take content that could be really interesting and specific and you water it down so that you're trying to get the broadest possible audience. And then it's interesting and relevant to absolutely no one right? So step one, who are you trying to reach? Step two, what is the idea that you're trying to communicate? Um, Jim Collins wrote a book years ago called Good to Great, and he talks about the big, hairy, audacious goal. He calls it a BHAG. And he says that those aren't, you know, things like increase revenue by 4% this year or launch a new product or service in Q2. It's the big ambitious stuff to change the world, whether it's the moonshot for your company or an organization, you choose the thing that's big. And so I think of thought leadership is you choose a point on the horizon that you want to sail to. And you recognize that getting there is going to be tough or that your clients and your customers are trying to get there, but they don't know how. And thought leadership turns the invisible and the impossible into the achievable 
often through small steps. Yeah, what, what kind of, um, where, where would you kind of get started to Jamie's point? I mean, that, you know, whenever we think about thought leadership, a lot of times it's, um, you know, in the context of what we do, a lot of times it comes to, um, you know, coming back to like the marketing thing, you know, mm-hmm. everybody finding their, their niche, you know what I mean? And then within that niche, understanding the vernacular of the, of the, you know, the people that are there and then becoming, you know, knowledgeable in the area, like you said, the goal setting of how to help them and, and guide them to where they need to go. I mean, oftentimes as a service professional, that's the way I look at it is like mm-hmm. helping other people get to where they need to go, you know, within that vertical. Um, how would you recommend, um, you know, people kind of get started with that? Because I know um, my partner, Jody, he's written a couple books and mm-hmm. that was kind of like, you know, his, his, it's a common pushes. starting point for a lot of people is to write a book. Right. Um, and so my first recommendation would be to start putting ideas out there, start having conversations about your ideas. And you can do that on LinkedIn. You can do that on a podcast. You could write a book, but a book takes a long time and a long payoff, right? So I'm a believer in what I would describe as minimum viable thought leadership. Just like in the entrepreneur world, you would go with minimum viable product. Here it's what's the smallest idea and the smallest test that I could put out there to an audience. Maybe it's speaking in front of a local group, whether it's a group of your customers or clients or speaking at a conference, you get a chance to put the idea out and see if people lean in and they're interested, they get what you're saying, or if they're confused. The worst thing you can do is focus on some big large effort asset, whether it's a book or a white paper or some event that takes you months to produce, and then everybody scratches their head and goes, I don't get it, or that's not what I'm worried about. Yeah, you want to have a little bit of trial and error there, I'm guessing. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're not going to be perfect the first time. So going straight to writing that book, it's going to be like, yeah, you're going to take some, have to take different steps. And well, it's, it's like thinking you're going to go onto Broadway right. as your first time on stage. Not going to happen. Of course yeah, and I would think that it would have to be something that's authentic and something that you're passionate about, something that gives you energy, you know. So what I would say on that in terms of passion, absolutely essential. And it's there's a rule in the practice of thought leadership that your audience will never be more interested in your topic than you are. So you have to choose something that you're going to be excited to talk about for the next five or 10 years. And often you'll be talking about the things which are the introductory 101 basics. And you'll be talking about those things over and over again. And they're going to feel like big ahas to your audience. And you'll be like, man, there's this really cool corner thing that I'm thinking about. It's really neat. And if you pull that shiny idea out and you lead with that, everybody glazes over and they get confused. So you have to be willing to meet your audience where they're at with enthusiasm and passion about the topic. And you've got to find the thing that you're willing to teach, just sort of like a teacher would be willing to go and teach addition and subtraction to first and second graders, okay? There's no new content that comes out year after year for teachers there, right? But it's mind-opening to a uh, first or second grader, right? So you have to have that same sort of joy with your content. 
So as you're talking through this, I'm, I'm thinking of a couple different areas where you can um, be a thought leader. And so Adam already mentioned one, which would be a vertical. You know, okay, this mm-hmm. is a this is an industry that we're a thought leader in. Another area, and I'm, I'm thinking of this on the accounting front, would be you know we're we're experts in forecasting or some 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 type of service that you could be experts in. Are there some other thought leadership paths that people go down other than kind of those two? So a lot of people wind up being what I would describe as accidental thought leaders, right? They didn't plan it. Someone asked them to speak at an event or write an article, or they're the one who does the internal presentations. And sometimes you stumble into an area of expertise where you look six months, a year or two years later. I've known people who have sort of realized they were practicing thought leadership after they published their fourth book. And you're and, and you smile and you're like, okay, but what's the overarching story? One of the things that you want to do is to find that platform. And it could be a vertical, it could be a piece of technology, it could be a pain point or a problem or a vision of the future. The way that I define thought leadership is you're peering around the corner into the future. You're looking for risks and opportunities. And if you just stop there, you're a futurist and that's cool and all, but it doesn't help anybody, right? So you've got to figure out what's important from that possible future, figure out who's going to care about it and bring that information back to someone today and say, here's what's important and here's what you need to do, baby steps, right? And so that ability is based on trust. And so you may be an expert in a domain that may be a technical domain, or it could be something broader, such as leadership. I've seen plenty of people who are experts in soft skills, for example, communications. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, that's great. Um, so how does, you know, and, you know, obviously checking up the, um, the website here, the thoughtleadershipleverage.com, how, how is it that um, you help uh, folks kind of work through this? From my perspective, the place that it starts is with strategy, right? You either are going into this and you recognize, hey, we're going to use thought leadership either to generate a competitive advantage, to sustain conversations with clients that may or may not be in a buying mode. Some organizations use thought leadership when they want to have a conversation where they can't sell. And that could be with policymakers, or that could be with media. And you're not selling them, but you're selling them on an idea, which is a slight nuance there, right? So the first place you start is with strategy. Who are you trying to reach? What are you trying to achieve? What resources do you already have available? And what skills or gaps do you need to fill? And often what we find when we sit down with strategy is a lot of people who practice thought leadership have strengths in some areas. And rather than try to backfill, you find ways to amplify what's already a strength. So a lot of thought leadership practitioners who are technical experts are not marketers. They are not salespeople. And if you tell them, okay, you're going to go out and sell your idea, they get a little bit of hives. So instead, what you say is, okay, Why don't you use thought leadership? You like thinking about these topics, interview people for an article. And those people happen to be prospects for what you're trying to sell and combine thought leadership and co-creation 
with marketing and sales, for example, okay? So you figure out a strategy. And one of the things is that when it comes to thought leadership, I've worked with hundreds of thought leadership practitioners and organizations. There is no one size fits all, one road for everybody. Some people, um, keynote speakers, for example, I've had keynote speakers who back pre-COVID would be 150, 200 days on the road a year and say, look, I want to create an impact. I want to keep speaking, but please get me off the road so I can be with my family, right? <laughs> How do I sustain my business right. from home? How do I have scalable assets, right? Other people come to us and say, hey, I've written a book. I want to go out and speak on it. And I'm happy to talk here or anywhere in the world. One person's joy for thought leadership can be another person's hell. And when you're thinking about leveraging thought leadership across your organization, that could be you as the founder or the CEO, but you may have technical experts within your organization that you want to put on stage. And you need to make sure that when you're asking that person to do something, it's something they're going to enjoy. So don't ask someone who hates writing to write. Don't ask someone who hates public speaking to go stand in front of an audience of 3,000 people. It just doesn't work. Right. Yeah, that makes, makes a lot of sense. sense. Yeah. But I think that um, I think that sometimes whenever we're especially working, and, and I see this with agencies too, um, agencies that we work with, and then also firms that we work with, um, the agencies usually sometimes they don't have enough differentiation in them. Um, and I could say the same thing's true about um, the CPA firms, but with the CPA firms, they're usually just kind of like, yeah, I know I have to have like a, a niche, but I'm not sure exactly what I want. You know what I mean? Like, I, I hear what you're saying on the strategy part, but I can imagine that for some people, you really have to, you know, pull that out of them, not just, you know, they, they need help rediscovering, you know, and maybe just reinventing themselves altogether on the front end. And it depends on whether you're working with an individual or an organization. And I often think about personal branding. A lot of us have encountered that idea and been told, yeah, we need to build a personal brand. And those are not only your reputation, your past experiences, your successes, but are you easy to work with? Are you on time? Are you someone who dawdles and all that? A personal brand is to you as your ideas belong on a platform. And so what you want to do ultimately is figure out what ideas you have and put the ideas on stage so that other people can say, oh, you need to talk to this organization because they know how to solve this type of problem. They've got expertise and ideas in this area, right? And if your ideas are hard to describe, if it takes more than a couple sentences, if you need paragraphs or a page, your friends aren't going to make referrals. They won't know what you do. You've got to be able to distill your platform down, what your ideas are about, two sentences tops, and so that they can help spread the word for you. That's where allies and ambassadors come in. Yeah. yeah. Well, yes. well, what, do you, what do you do going forward then? Like you get us by the strategy you know, help kind of kick over and really understand what we are passionate about and how we can get out there. And, you know, I, I assume kind of work that out and then you get into the strategy phase, but then, like you said, then there's the implementation phase. You just like connect with people or how does that work? So there's a couple different layers on thought leadership. Thought leadership has, 
I believe in narrowcasting rather than broadcasting. And we talked about this before of if you try to be relevant to everyone, you're relevant to no one. So on narrowcasting, you pick who you're trying to reach and almost imagine you're in the office sitting down one-on-one -on -one with them. So whether you're creating a video for them or an article, make it relevant to someone, okay? Put it against an editorial calendar and put that content out, but always have your target audience in mind. The problem is that a lot of people start creating a container, like a podcast, for example. You guys are hosting one. I've got one as well. It's easy to think about a podcast and go, oh, shoot, I need to find a guest. Let me go get somebody because I got to fill this container, this scheduled show that I'm going to put out. Instead, you have to think about your audience and say, what problems do they have that they'll be interested in hearing about and make that the focus of filling the container rather than focus on the container? And so sometimes you wind up having implementation that is very hands-on in thought leadership. It's one-to-one -one VIP almost, if you will, where you know that if you reach this decision maker and you influence them on how you're thinking and they accept it, big things happen, right? Not only for them, but for you. And so those can happen in conversations at dinner. They can happen between your sales team and the buyer. They can also happen of, hey, I was thinking about you and I recorded this video. I'll often do something like that where in a conversation over the course of the week, I record a video customized for one person. I don't mention them by name but it speaks to something we talked about. Usually it's something I think about after we get off of a call and I record it. What I then wind up doing most often is I'll put that on LinkedIn for people like them. And so I get scale from the same asset. It's created with one person in mind, but usable by many. Are you interested in offering virtual CFO services at your firm or scaling your existing service offerings? The Virtual CFO Playbook how to Land $60,000 a Year Clients and Provide a Killer Client Experience is an online series of modules that will equip you with essential tools for creating and delivering scalable VCFO services. These approaches have helped Summit CPA grow from $500,000 to upwards of $5 million in revenue over the past decade. If you're ready to grow your firm, visit summitcpa.net slash VCFO Playbook to enroll now. When you mentioned earlier, you know, kind of the allies and advocates, it sounds like, you know, it's, it's, there's two tiers to that. There's the ones you already have, right? Those are the people you've already mm -hmm. worked with. And then I think it sounds like your next step is to go create some more, right? So you already oh. have three or four that you've worked with in the past and then just one by one, try to create them. And, and then, you know, it's going to just grow from there because you're going to have that one relationship that's going to go to three or four because they talk to people about you and it's just going to grow from that. Is that what you're saying here? Absolutely. Thought leadership leans almost we on strategic account planning. There are groups and individuals that if they understand your thinking and they understand the ideas you bring to the table, good things will happen, right? And rather than just leave that to chance and abstract and someone sees what you put out into the world, how are you going to get those ideas in front of them. They may be current contacts that you already have, people that know and love you. Maybe you worked with them in the past as clients or colleagues at a former job or whatever. That's great. You can go to them and they know and they'll listen. But you also have aspirational 
folks, mm-hmm. people that you know that if you could get this idea in front of them, you'd be invited to bid on a project or you'd get an opportunity or have an advantage with the competition. And that's where you dream big. And then you start saying, well, how do I get to them? Who in my network already knows people like them? Allies open doors, ambassadors speak on your behalf. And sometimes you're interested in creating a movement. And sometimes you're just trying to get to that one person that can transform your business and open up a new account stream, right? I think a lot of people listening to this too are probably thinking, wow, this is a lot easier than it sounds. Cause I think a lot of people, when they, when they think about this topic, they're like, Oh, I have to go up and speak in front of people or I have to write a book. And you're, you're saying the one-on-one conversations are key. And I think a lot of people might hear them. They like, okay, I can, I can handle a couple of one-on-one conversations because to be honest, if you blow one of those, you're always going to have another one. You know, even if one doesn't go well, you're going to, you can use it as a practice and keep doing it till you, till you get it refined and get it really well. Absolutely. And I want to jump on that, Jamie, because you hit on one of the things of thought leadership, which is absolutely essential. Um, Whether it's a conversation in a one-on-one or you post something on LinkedIn, there's an old saying that the newspaper is the first draft of history. Now, I don't know how many people are buying newspapers in print anymore, but I think of LinkedIn or a conversation as a first draft of thought leadership right? And whether you're on a phone or in a meeting, what I always do is I keep a notebook with me and a uh, post-it pad. One of the two is always by me. And there's a small part of my head that is listening to the stories I tell, the data, the examples, the metaphors. How am I making this idea visible and accessible to the person I'm talking about? And I listen for what worked or what didn't. And after that conversation, I make a note because if I don't learn the lesson in conversation, I'm going to be reinventing fire every time, right? I'm going to be trying to find a new metaphor, a new way to explain it. I'm not going to go, oh, that one works really well with this type of audience. I'm building my library of stories. Thought leadership is storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. So as you're, as you're saying that I'm, I'm actually thinking of our CFOs, you know, and how they have those conversations. And I think it's, it's when we hire a new CFO, sometimes it's um, very complicated to get them up and running and, and it takes, and the reason is, is because it takes you a while to build those stories, right? It takes you a while to build those stories of, okay, when I'm in a financial statement meeting and I'm trying to explain whatever concept, yeah, I can just explain it technically, which accountants are really good at, but how can I explain mm-hmm. it? So it makes sense for them. What business examples can I use? So it makes sense for them. And then you can see, you know, obviously we've seen CFOs with a lot of different experience. We've seen them with, you know, working at Summit for six months. We've seen them working at Summit for five years. And it's fun to watch that, you know, they have those stories. They have those things they can lean back on. And okay, I can, I can explain this concept because I've done it a thousand times and I have four or five different stories I can pull out because I've explained that so many times. And I can choose which story I use based on my audience, right? Is the person I'm speaking to someone who's going to lean into a sports metaphor or are they going to go glassy-eyed when I when I pull out a sports <laughs> metaphor, right? And there's both types of audiences. You need to be prepared and consciously choose the stories you tell because if you're a wind-up doll that always tells the same stories, you're going to blow right past your audience. Yeah. I think the biggest thing there is body language too. 
like, you know, I can, I can tell you, like, if you were to mention, and Adam knows this, if you were to mention basketball, you could see me like lean forward, my eyes would light up and be like, yep. okay, I'm going to use a basketball example here, where if you mentioned like opera, I'd be like, what is this dude talking about? <laughs> you know, so Unfortunately, think... Jamie's the one that only uses the basketball whenever right. he's telling the story. I use them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I think it is important to also note, Jamie, you know, you mentioned the, uh, the CFOs. Um, it doesn't have to necessarily be like the champion of the organization. It doesn't have to be the visionary. Like thought leadership exists in every role um, within the organization. Um, and I think that's what, I think that's what's misleading um, to a lot of people whenever they think about it, because they do think about the person that's the keynote, or they think about the person that wrote the book. Um, but I think it's a great point that um, you can exhibit that in, in every, every role in an organization. So, well, and on the every organization, everyone in the organization, where I'm seeing forward thinking organizations, the ones that have invested in thought leadership and have been on the journey for a while, instead of just saying thought leadership is the role of the CEO or this one super smart person who knows the recipe for Coca-Cola or the KFC recipe sort of thing, what they're saying is thought leadership is everyone's responsibility. No, not everybody needs to write. Not everyone needs to speak, but it's part of what we do to create a competitive advantage. And you might be asked to create thought leadership. You might be asked to curate it, help elevate a good idea or help deploy it. Be that salesperson who in a meeting with your buyer talks about something that's coming around the corner and help them think about the future. Yeah, that's, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that, again, a lot of that comes back to hiring too. I know like when we hire, we're always looking for people that are going to bring passion because you want, you know, you want your whole team to feel as passionate as your CEO does about what you're doing, because it, it definitely is an impact on your, on your clients, on your customers. So um, yeah, we're getting uh, close on time here. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw it to both you guys for, for final thoughts. So Adam, I'll start with you and then Bill, I'll let you wrap it up. Yeah. I mean, Bill, I think that um, what you're doing and helping people kind of this discovery is great. Um, you know, I think my final thought is, is that, you know, in having this conversation, it's a lot easier to get started in what you think. And there is somebody that can, you know, folks like yourself, that can kind of help get that initial thought train going. And then once that happens, I think that um, it's probably just a natural progression, you know, that it starts making a lot more sense. So, I guess I would encourage everybody to kind of, you know, reach out and start thinking about that, being more intentional with it um, and seeing where it takes them. So where I would leave it is thought leadership five to 10 years ago, didn't have momentum in the same way behind it. Now it's something where a lot of people are trying to figure out how do we make this a function in our organization, similar to sales, marketing, or accounts payable, right? How does it fit within what we do? And so over the last uh, year, I've been doing interviews with heads of thought leadership, large organizations, small organizations on our podcast, Leveraging Thought Leadership. And if you want to get a sense of how other organizations, I encourage you to check that out and get a sense of how others are doing it. You can learn a lot from others so you don't feel like you're the only one who gets it. And if you're interested, come talk to me. I'm happy to talk shop about thought leadership at any point. 
Yeah, no, I, I was checking out your website um, prior to talking to you, and I would definitely push people there. You know, thoughtleadershipleverage.com, a lot of tools, a lot of interviews, a lot of videos. And I think people will be motivated after watching that and really have an idea of where to go. So appreciate you coming on this show. Hopefully a lot of people will pop on your website after. I'm going to probably spend a little more time going into it now, too, after talking to you. But definitely appreciate you joining us and a great, great, great show. Thank, Thank you, you, Jamie and Adam. Enjoy this podcast? Visit our website at summitcpa.net to get more tips and strategies for achieving modern CPA firm success. We're here to be a resource in this ever-changing industry.